Welcome to Grading the Nutmeg, the podcast of Connecticut history, brought to you by the state historian and Connecticut Explored, the magazine of Connecticut history. I'm Walt Woodward. This is part three of our special series on witch hunting in Connecticut. In an extended interview, Brenda Miller, executive director of the Hartford History Center at Hartford Public Library, and I talk with historian Richard Ross about his new book, Before Salem, Witch Hunting in the Connecticut River Valley. Ross, former head of the Trinity College Library, has done amazing historical spade work that provides important new insights about Connecticut witch hunting. We'll learn a lot about Connecticut's first witch, Alice Young, and the group of her friends who ultimately suffered the same fate as she. We'll ask and answer the question of where Connecticut's witches were hanged. It's not where you think. So settle back as Brenda Miller, Richard Ross, and I discuss Before Salem, Witch Hunting in the Connecticut River Valley. It's one of the stories we live by on Grading the Nutmeg. Hi there, I'm state historian Walt Woodward, and today's podcast is being recorded in the Wallace Stevens Reading Room at the Hartford Public Library. If you have not been downtown to see the Hartford Public Library, you must get here. It absolutely is one of the gems of the city. And with me is another gem of the city who I've asked to help co-host today. It's Brenda Miller, who is the executive director of the History Center here at the Hartford Public Library. Hi, Brenda. Hi. Hi, Walt. I'm so glad you're here today. Oh, and thank you for doing this. This is going to be fun, I think. I think it's a If it's not, it's going to be my fault. Um, (laughs) Looking forward. Okay, Brenda, test question. Uh Uh-huh. It's, I mean, it may not be as chilly as it usually is, but there's a chill in the air. There is. And the leaves may not be as we expect them to be this time of year, but the leaves are turning, right? There's some color out there. And so we are in fall. We're in fall, and for some reason, when the leaves turn and the air starts to chill, people naturally start to think of one subject when it's history-related. Yeah, it's witchcraft. And when you think about witchcraft in New England, what, what do thinking? you think of? Yeah. You know, I have to think of Salem. That's I right. Think Everybody Salem. thinks of Salem, the great Salem witch hunts. Mm-hmm. But we have a guest with us today who I think is going to change everybody's impression of that. It's Richard Ross, a professor emeritus at Trinity College, former head of the Trinity College Libraries. He is now retired, and I think that's a wonderful thing for all of us because He has been putting out some fabulous historical production, and his most recent book is the subject of this podcast. It's called Before Salem, Witch Hunting. Well, we'll let him tell us. You know, Brenda thinks of Salem. I used to think of Salem before I started researching it, and I I am sure... Most people always think of Salem, but your book is called Before Salem. Why is that? It's called Before Salem because uh, before Salem, the um, there were there were witch hunt there were witch hunts in Connecticut. Uh, most people don't, aren't aware of them. Most people don't know anything about witch hunts. Exactly in Connecticut. in Connecticut, let alone New England, let alone the world. 
And so um, we have um, a history, we have uh, some limited documentation, and um, I've tried to pull as much as I can together to give people an idea of what, hap what actually happened. Tried to put it into context when I can talk about the witches, the, their background, and also some of the accusers. You know, as someone who has done research on witch hunting in Connecticut, one of the things I absolutely love about your book is that you have done the kind of historical spade work that is going to let, that's going to amaze people who don't know about witch hunting in Connecticut and people who do, because your book has so much new material and new interpretation that you have found on the uh, witch hunting episodes in Connecticut that it makes a fabulous read. It's just terrific. What, why did you start researching this subject? Well, originally, um, I was interested in witchcraft as a young person. Uh, when I got, when I was getting my degree, my PhD, um, I got out of Boston College, uh, it was kind of, I would say, discouraged a little bit. Um, and so I went off in a different direction. So but you it, were thinking about doing witchcraft then? I was, then. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I was interested in European witchcraft at the time. And so later in life, <clears throat> when I moved to Connecticut to become the head of the um, uh, Trinity College Library, uh, my, one day my wife pointed out to me a, an article um, about witchcraft. And of course, everybody knows that witchcraft in Connecticut, and everybody knows that, well, everybody, but a lot of people know that uh, they, they feel like Gallows Hill, uh, where King, uh, Trinity is located. Um, I've certainly heard that ever exactly. since I got here. That you know they used yeah. to hang witches up at Gallows Hill, uh, and even Taylor in his book. And Gallows Hill, for yeah. people who don't yeah. know, is where it's at Trinity College. It's right. It's right there. So when you're driving past 84 and you see yep. the Trinity buildings on the skyline, right. that's Gallows, Gallows Hill, Hill, right? Right. Correct. And so uh, what we learned, though, at the, is that Gallows Hill was really a place where they probably, and we know they hang some revolutionary uh, spies. That, that's, that's where the Gallows Hill probably came from, not from hanging witches. Right. Brenda, did mm -hmm. you know that that was Gallows Hill? No, did I did know it was Gallows Hill, and I, and I have heard, too, that, that witches were hung on Gallows Hill. So I, I love the clarification. This is good. So now, why, why weren't they hung on Gallows Hill? When you see it, when you're driving by on 84, one of the reasons I think people believe it is because it seems like such a natural space. It's high up and you know you can see it from just about anywhere. Well, at the time, Gallows Hill wasn't cleared. <laughs> so it, it was, was forested, still, right, and right. there were wolves. And you know, it wasn't a place you would take people or people would want to go to watch somebody get hanged. And it was too to, far out of town. It was too far right? out of town, and it was you know, covered with trees, et cetera. You know? So the idea uh, of, of a hanging uh, was that it was a spectacle, mm -hmm. and it was to teach people a lesson. This would happen to you, you know, if you got involved in this type of activity. So they were they were show executions Ex and exactly. show trials too. Ex they? Well, yes, I I think in the trials they did the best they could, though. I mean, they did live in a in a time when people actually took believed. It yeah, they took it seriously. Yeah, and that's you know that's yeah. I think that's one of the things, Brenda, that's really hard for most people to get their arms around. I I think personally, I think the reason people remain so fascinated with witch hunting and witch trials is because it seems so completely extraordinary that people would do that, right? That, 
to some degree that, that, that they would think that someone was possessed by the, the devil and that they could some way prove it, I think is fascinating. I mean, I'm, so I'm curious where you got your material from when you were looking and debunked Gallows Hill. Where did you go? Um, there's, there was an article written, and I think it was in 1954, about, um, about what the area was like at the time. Mm -hmm. There was no, um, is it Vernon Street, or, and it was called Zachary Lane previously, and th they didn't exist. You couldn't get up there easily. This is in the 19th century even. However, I will tell you that um, there's um, w one of the early books on Hartford talks about th this area and says it was a place where they dug pits for wolves. So which book so, was that? Was that Weaver's book? No, no, no. This is a, an original um, uh, book from the... Uh, oh, from that period. The okay. time period, yeah. You know, this is interesting. We've, we've got the witches hanged and executed. I know. And we haven't even talked about how, how the trial started. So why don't, we, why don't we go from the ending all the way back to the beginning? Mm -hmm. And tell me, you know, one of the things that is surprising in your book is that in all of New England, witch hunting started here in Connecticut. Right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that. And one of the reasons why uh, it started here, it was because, at least I believe, first of all, let me just backtrack a little bit and tell you that in England, mm -hmm. um, when, when the first settlers came to this area, they first came, they settled, they, they, they actually came from the West Counties in England, not from uh, East Anglia, places like that. They actually came from a different area and they weren't die-hard Puritans. They were, they were still kind of Church of England. Um, and so they weren't that, that strict. Although the ministers sometimes could be strict. So what happened uh, was when they, they arrived over yeah, here. Yeah, just for people who don't know the period perhaps, what you're saying I think, correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong, is that the people who came to Connecticut were largely from different places than all those Puritans who settled right. in Massachusetts, right? right? Exactly. And that they was came from a different part of England, and they had That's a sort right. of different cultural background. Right. They were West Country. Yep. All those, all those Massachusetts people were East Anglia and the east side of the country, and right. that's why they parked their cars, right? That's correct. And we don't. <laughs> we we go to New Britain. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. Um, no, that's that's yeah. probably right. This was in the 1630s um, that they actually came over, and they when they came, they first settled actually in the Boston area, um, Mattapan and Dorchester. Mm -hmm. They came as a group. They're very different. These people ended up settling in Here, Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. It, particularly in Windsor. Yeah. Especially in Windsor. Yeah, Windsor is a really critical place exactly. in the book, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, well, keep telling us okay. how they got here. So, so what happened was when they came over, they came under the leadership of John Wareham and the minister mm -hmm. and another uh, John Maverick. Um, so they came over, they settled in New England, they brought cattle with them. Uh, they had some, um, a very, uh, some real worthies that, that would be Connecticut wor worthies, Windsor worthies. Um, let me see if I can... Get you this for a second here. Um, like Roger Ludlow yep. and um, Henry Walcott, these two men that came in, along with a lot of other names you recognize mm -hmm. if you do, if you get involved in this history. So they came over, they settled in, um, as I said, in Mattapan. They brought cattle with them. The ship they came over on, it was a tough, it wasn't a, it was a tough journey, all ship journeys were, but it was actually, it wasn't very crowded. Um, the, the people were a lot older. 
And one of the, and then you would expect they had a lot of children, but they but they but they weren't like young people. How big and of so, a group? Oh God, I forget how many were on there, but it was it wasn't that crowded on the ship, is the best I can tell. So, so I have it in my. But book. they came and they settled in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, right, right. And they were there. They weren't there very long no. before they decided they wanted to come this way. Why that, was that? That's correct. Well, first of all, the culture. Um, they were farmers, a lot of them, yeoman people, and so they brought cattle with them. And very quickly, there was you know more people were coming over in the 1630s. And so there was, no, you know, there was no room for the cattle, and they had heard stories about Connecticut. And what? The, what? The, I mean, it was what, pasture land. The Connecticut and, River was right along yeah, the Connecticut yeah. River, right? And but they couldn't come here because they had to get permission from the map from Massachusetts to do it. Uh, they finally did get permission, and they came, and they came in the spring, uh, in the fall, um, but they didn't really come prepared, so they had to go back, and um, they came the following. Um, spring, and they were finally able to settle in. And the, this group from Dorchester came to Windsor, right? Right, to Windsor. And they had, they, so they settled in Windsor, mm -hmm. and that was, there There weren't many towns along the river no. by then, right? There it's was Hartford and Weathersfield and Windsor, Windsor, and then yep. Saybrook down at the mouth of the river. Right. And, and one historian has characterized these early English settlements, and I, and I love this because it speaks to how isolated and how, in some ways, what a strange environment it was for him. He says these were people who were living in islands surrounded by danger, that their mm -hmm. little villages were islands, but they were English people. They didn't have forests. They didn't know what it was like. Right. It was exactly. right, dark and scary, yeah. and, and there were those native people, and right. they were... They scared to death of them. That was a great unknown yeah. out there. Yeah, they thought that the Indians or the Native Americans, they called them Indians, so yeah. I, I use that term in my book for that reason, um, were actually servants of the devil. Mm -hmm. And they actually believed, particularly the ministers, but of course the church was very important to these people. It was almost everything. They believed, you know, that they had come into the devil's kingdom, yeah. and one of the things we're gonna you're gonna learn about over time is that the devil that the um, that the devil wanted them out. The, and, you um, know, yeah, it, it, you can understand how people who have this, you know, this intense Christianity that they follow would find anybody who didn't practice Christianity a heathen and possibly a mm -hmm. servant of the devil. But mm -hmm. then when you look at how you know, indigenous people have such a different, different set of cultural practices, the way they dress, the things they mm -hmm. eat, the, you know, the way they raise their children, everything was different. And they did. Mm -hmm. It was easy for them to say, these people are so different than us and so, you know, so, so the other. they live, yeah, yeah. they live so they were like the other. different the other. than our way of life, right, exactly. that they are, they are servants of the devil. And they right. actually and did they, believe They that, believed right? it, and you can find it, I mean, I have evidence of them writing that. You know? Oh, sure. Yeah. It's yeah. a, you know, it appears over and over again. It, and for someone who studies the period, it, it is easy to believe that they actually believed it. Mm -hmm. But it's also very convenient if mm -hmm. these are people you want to replace, right? Mm -hmm. Ah, you, who are you? You serve the devil. We serve the real one true mm -hmm. God. Yeah, happens yeah. happens now and then, doesn't it? Well, it was easy to. I don't, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but they were able to, you know, a lot of the Indians had been, um, had been uh, died as a result of various epidemics. And one of the issues that came up after a while was the fact that all these Indians had passed, had died. Mm -hmm. 
but not enough as far as they were concerned. But then all of a sudden, they were getting sick too, the, the colonists. And they started to question this whole idea, you know. Oh, God was punishing these people, it, you know. Yeah, just, at first they thought that, that when the English first came, they, they, they didn't know they were doing it, but they brought what we call diseases. virgin soil diseases. Yeah. And there were epidemics in the area, 1633 yeah. Yeah. epidemic yeah. that really kind of cleared out the Connecticut mm -hmm. River Valley before, uh, before the, the Windsor Group came. But you're that right. allowed them to, yeah. That, you know, as they settled in and got near 1640 and, the, you know, the town's starting to take shape, <clears throat> then in your book, you really, you talk about suddenly the surprise that they're dying at about the same rate as the Indians. Right. And that's just one of the things. You, you, in the book, you describe this outbreak of witch hunting that was centered in Windsor, right? Mm -hmm. As as influenced by almost a perfect storm mm -hmm. of problems right. that happened in the early 1640s. Right. Why don't you talk about that? Um, one of the things that happened was, I, I don't want to get into Anne Hutchinson, but her problems that, you know, her issues um, really kind of got people going in, in, in this time period, and especially the ministers, because she was questioning the orthodoxy. So. And some of the ministers that were here in Connecticut actually went and participated in her trial. This is just to say this. Um, so what happens is by, I believe, um, by around 1639, 1640 in particular, um, we have an issue that's, that, that, that deals with, that's in Windsor. Okay, it's very unique to Windsor. When the settlers came into Windsor, they had to deal with a group, two groups that were already there, the salt and stall group, which was they had gotten a patent to, to settle. And so a, bun, a group of, um, um, I'm trying to think of what they were, they were, um, like they were, they were carpenters, but they were apprentice carpenters, along with a couple of leaders, the um, Stiles, Francis Stiles, I believe was his name. They came over and they were here and they settled. Uh, in, the, in, in this area, along all of a sudden with this group that came in. So the, what's going on in Windsor is that the, this group from the West Country comes, and they're, they're a big group of settlers in right. Windsor, but they're not the only group. Right. There's another group, the Stiles group, group comes right. from, are they the London people? That's the London group. Yeah, yes. there's, there's another group of people from London, and then there's a third group, group of from, people. From Plymouth. There were some people from Plymouth right. Colony. All three of them sort of came with different ministers, had different attitudes, and you have, while you have all of these Puritans, you've got sort of a clash of regions. You know, it's like New Yorkers and Southerners, and I mean, you, right. you really do have that in yeah. this one little town, right? Exactly. And so after the Pequot War, um, the, the two groups that are left are the people from the Stiles group and the, um, the group from the West Country. So they're there. Now this woman and her husband apparently move in. Um, I believe they're connected to the London group. And the husband is John and the wife's name is Alice Youngs. That's their name. Um, some people go under the term Young, but I've used Youngs for a couple of reasons. But anyway, what happens is something happens because in, when they move in, in around 1640, the ministers s start preaching about the devil, and they start preaching about the devil is among thee now, and there's all kinds of, this didn't really happen before. Um, this so, couple, so let me make know. sure I'm getting this yeah. straight. You've got this, 
you've got this West Country group of people right. who go settle in Boston and then they move over and yep. they, they yes. settle in Windsor. And then three or four years later, this group of people from London who seem very different and don't have maybe the religious fervor or share the beliefs hit Windsor and suddenly the preachers in the Windsor church start preaching about the devil having come right. and being well not the, out in the woods but right, right in, in amongst, amongst them. them right it, it the thing is that the um styles people have been there for a while mm-hmm. the young the youngs move in a little bit later oh, they so come a, later but they come from london they come is from it? london I so believe they, they join that style they join Got right it. or they they live in the town but it looks like they associate with the state. So, so what you're saying is that the arrival right. of this carpenter sets, sets it this, off. this group of people gets the minister sort yeah. of thinking, oh, we got some, you yeah. know. And we, I think that she's kind of like a healer. Okay. And there's people have speculated on this before. Well, Richard, can I ask, does yes. the London crew have its own ministers? Or no. No. no, so they are actually, and they're all having service together? Or it's they have right. to suggest yeah. that they're they all yeah, Brenda, e- yeah. everybody's got to go to the same the church, church, and you you yeah. don't have an option of saying, I'm, I'm sleeping in on Sunday, no. it was a busy no, week, you, you're going. You, everyone has to go to the same okay. church, yeah. So they pretty much controlled the, the West right. group. Right. Okay. The West group actually controlled the town. Yeah. They were wealthy, okay. they, they really did. And these people were kind of like the outsiders, okay. as far as I can tell. The, the London people mm-hmm. were the, the outsiders. Yeah. The Windsor people, they got the money. They, you know, they they live in the the best land, and they the ministers are associated with them. Yeah. So when these ministers start talking about the devilish, the devil amongst us, yeah, your your hunch is based on what later happens, right? That they're they're pointing the finger at these newcomers, among which this yes. Young's family. Yes, I, and and there's a reason for this that I think people have talked about her being a, a healer before or a midwife or something based on what i know um there was already a midwife in the in the town and the midwife was actually very midwives were really respectable mm-hmm. they weren't the kind of they weren't people that you would consider to be like the kind of people that would be close to be calling witches and what generally that didn't happen uh, they really needed them and they would actually call them into court um, to give witness the only women that were allowed to come into court to give witness were the midwives so what's happened is you've got this healer. Now healers, if you know anything about the, um, the way the ministers thought about healers, they saw them as, as bad as the devil because they saw them as being uh, as bad as wicked witches or black witches as they called them. Um, the demonologists believed that they ensnared people uh, in, in t- to, to dealing with but, the devil. But that's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Yes. Because Every, it's my understanding anyway, that every woman in, in any English family was expected to be able to do home remedies, to, mm-hmm. you know, that everybody had their kit of, I take care of my family and maybe if I come up with, with some uh, conserve or something that really helps with a cold that my son or daughter had, well, I'll give it to the next person. So there are a lot of healers and not all healers are automatically evil. Is that right? Or oh yeah, no, no. Well, let's face it, you know, when the ministers, we're talking about ministers now, the common people thought, would go to these people and they would, uh, because they didn't have, it, doctors didn't take care of them. 
in those days. Doctors didn't even touch people, as you know. They observed. Well, yeah. Surgeons it, did the touching. It, you, know? you know, the work that I did showed there are no real doctors in New England until right. the 1690s. That's so, right. So <laughs> Except for Dr. Rossiter. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah. We have questions, right? Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, there were so that a lot of, and there were a lot of, a lot of the wives of the ministers actually did, did healing. And, you know, um, uh, John, um, John Winthrop Jr. 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 was really, you know, involved in a lot of that. Sure. They're, but, they're, but the question here is a lot of these people did see, um, when they were in England, they saw healers and nobody, you know, they didn't really, they didn't go after healers or wise women or cunning people, is what they called them, cunning women, cunning men. Cunning. Yeah. That was to, it means to know. It comes from to oh, know. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just want to, you know, in case somebody asks. Um, so, so it's also come to mean ruthless and kind of yeah, that's right. untrustworthy. Today's, uh, <laughs> today's parlance. Nasty. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, what we have, though, is... This particular case, this woman must have been doing more than she should have been doing, let's put it this way. And I did come across something that um, John Winthrop Jr. had written, and this to me was very interesting because I hadn't seen it anywhere else before. I, I saw it too, and I thought it was absolutely fascinating. Did you see that? About, yeah. about John Young's yeah. disease, right? Yeah, not yeah. only that, but he says that he, his wife was hanged as a witch, or was a witch. Yeah. And that's really interesting because... Because up to now, there's only been two references. Right now, there's three. Now there's three. So you so have been, you've increased the knowledge of this hanging by thirty-three percent. <laughs> so where did you see this? Oh, where did you find I it? I happened to um, want. I was looking at John Winthrop Jr.'s. Um, there was a new, there was a new um, uh, his papers had mm -hmm. come out from the Massachusetts Historical Society, and I was just going through it, you know, just looking for other things actually. And I spotted that, and I said, "Wait a minute!" I said, "That you know," I said, "This is a reference to him that I haven't seen before, and it's important because historically, if you look at all the other material that people have worked with, you know, that deal with the witches, they've never mentioned this. And the other thing about it that's interesting, it talks about this kind of horrible disease that John Young had. And, and you argue, you argue in the book that that this disease, which you know, I hope you'll describe because it really does sound pretty. Yeah, the way the skin way sloughing off. Yeah, it, it sounds really awful. And that somehow the fact that his wife was a healer and he had this disease works in people's minds to make them think she's maybe using witchcraft against him. Is that the or, or either against him or to to help heal him? Yeah, because you know how could you know how could anybody? So what? This? What was this sickness? Why was it so even? Why was it so strange to someone like Winthrop who saw all sorts of diseases? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if you see somebody's the the skin was just coming off this person, you know, and then it would heal up and then it would come back and it happened over and over again. Apparently, from what I could um, I could gather from me. I don't know exactly what the disease is. I think there is some like some sort of flesh-eating disease, like well, a yeah, type of infection. A, it was a kind of... Um, you said that it was sort of like a reaction to tuberculosis, possibly? That's what a, somebody, has, yeah. a doctor has had written. Um, oh. He looked at it and thought that's what it was. But, but you know, if you think about it, who else sloughs off skin? Serpents and well, reptiles, snakes. right? Yeah, yeah. snakes. Yeah. yeah, so that's actually a good point. I didn't yeah. know. I think mean, about if you that. think about this yeah. sort of folk culture of the time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the other thing is that yeah. exactly the other thing about it is that there was also the fact that 
she must have used salves and things like that to, to help keep it from maybe sloughing off as, as rapidly and helping him heal. So, so there was, I mean, it was a very mysterious, let's put it that way. And, and people obviously didn't understand these things, you know. So, so here's this woman who's a healer, which mm -hmm. is suspect, at least to the right. ministers. And she's got a husband who's got an exceptionally strange disease that doesn't get better, but that she's obviously treating mm -hmm. with some things. And this disease is so strange that it is suspect too, right? Right. So in your book you say over time community, community attention focuses on her as a possible witch. Yes, and, and what happens is, what, what happens, things begin to change very rapidly in their world. One thing I want to go back a little bit about, just say, what, we, what we've come to learn is that these people actually may have been isolated on the frontier, which is what I've called this, you know, it's been called the um, Connecticut, it was a frontier area. But they communicated back in England. They saw themselves not as starting a new country or anything like that, but that they were an outpost, um, a, another county. And sometimes they could receive information from London uh, more quickly than some of the counties in England that were really far flung, you know. So they stayed in touch. And we ha I have evidence of that. I, I show a lot of evidence there. And people did go back and forth, particularly after the outbreak of the English Civil War. Which and happened when? In 1642, approximately. So at the same time yep. period, right. Civil War breaks out in England, yeah. you've got contagion, you've got disease pressure growing. Right. And what, what, what I've tried to argue is that once the English Civil War breaks out, Prior to that, actually, between 1628 and 1642, the government in England had actually tried to suppress witchcraft uh, ideas and trials. There were a couple that I, I go over one. Um, but what they did, which was really interesting, was they said, if you want to publish, uh, you can't publish a book about witchcraft, but if you're going to do a new edition, you can add to it. And they so, and there are from yeah. from before the time the government censored witchcraft. Yeah. There are a lot of books out there yeah. on witchcraft, and you find that two of these English books are really significant. Right. When the way New Englanders think about them and read them, right? Right. right exactly. Um, particularly the the legal manual by Dalton. Um, that because that had been expanded by almost two hundred and fifty percent about. Uh, what to do with, uh, with the witches and how to how to find them, how to how to determine somebody was a witch. I think people will no, be surprised. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, is that a book now in the Watkinson collection or Trinity that, um, that particular one or it, it's how did you? Well, it's available. Um, you have to look at the different editions. The 1630 edition mm -hmm. is the one you first get the um, a lot more information on witchcraft. It's a basic um, English law book, and it had very little information on witches prior to 1630. But then it, by 1630, it, a lot of material gets added and for some reason, I'm not quite so, sure. So isn't it interesting that at this time when the Crown is trying to suppress people talking about witchcraft and certainly legal publications mm -hmm. on witchcraft, the, a person used a loophole in the law to write extensively about exactly. it. So it suggests that in England there's a lot of attention going on in the culture about witchcraft and of course you point out that in these, in these Western Puritan counties, 
There's a huge amount of attention right in this period. People, right? yeah, particularly um, that the minister um, Richard Bernard, who actually is stationed right there in Batscombe, which is right in the center of where all these people came from. Where all of these people in Windsor yeah, came, came from. from so, yeah. so he he writes actually writes a book about his experience um, with a witch trial that happened to take place. There weren't very many, but this happened to be one of them. And he writes about it, and he gets a little, gets a jaundiced eye from a few people. Um, but it's called *The Guide to the Grand Juryman*, and it's a very, pretty extensive book. Hmm. And some, the material that Dalton takes to write his book, um, he takes a lot from that. And what what Bernard was really—he was a clergyman, and what—and I'm sure many of these people, these, some of these worthies that come to Connecticut and to Windsor later certainly must have attended, because they didn't live very far from uh, the church, must have attended some of these um, sermons when he, t he talked about um, witchcraft and stuff like that. So now, so he's, he saw this witch trial, he preaches about it. Yeah. The people who about later it. moved to Windsor, mm -hmm. you know, have read his book, have heard his sermons. Yeah. So they, they bring over this witch-sensitive, cultural right. norms with them, right? They bring the cultural, uh, the sensitivity with them, but they, they can't act on it initially because the government, see, they also at the same time, you have to understand, wanted to have people immigrating over here because they wanted to build up their exactly. town, right? So they want to make it attractive. They're attractive, so they don't want to. They don't want to be saying we're going to be hunting witches over here, you know. So they really they kind of um, suppress it until the ministers start. But nothing really comes of the ministers of what they're saying. I mean, we don't have all the sermons going up to 1647. So obviously, there's a, 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 a lacuna there, you know. But we know that at least we know at least it got started. And these things, when they start, they it's like they last forever. You don't, you know, they don't forget. These people never forgot. I mean, when you get into a trial and you listen to somebody giving a deposition, they go way back, you know, and they start and they, because they, they, they have this oral culture there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is of, really interesting when, yeah. when somebody, when somebody finally, you know, when that needle finally points at you enough that some, that the community says, we think you're a witch, people come out of the woodwork. To testify to what I they think know, so. yeah. five years ago, yeah, twenty-five all, years, twenty-five years ago, all kinds of go, oh. all kinds of things, yeah. yeah, that they come up with, and you, and that's why you sit there sometimes and go, why would they think these things? But then if you go back and you try to think and put yourself into their place, you can see, you know, they just weren't, they didn't have a, they weren't rational, in, so, in the well, sense they, that we they, they were rational for their time. They were rational in in right. their world, but they weren't. What's like, different right. is they. Their conception of how the world worked is so fundamentally different, different. than most of ours exactly. that they don't seem rational. Right. And I, when I teach witchcraft in my classes, the hardest thing, and the thing I work at for a whole semester is to say, these are not crazy people. They have a reason exactly. for thinking that. You've got to figure out why it makes sense to them. And once people yeah. start making those connections, those connections, it's wonderful. So it's, are they, they're fearful. Aren't they? They spend most of their time being fearful. They're fearful There's of the woods. There's a lot of fear. fear Every, yeah. Their and whole world just, is um, coming down on them. And their, their religion doesn't offer them any relief. No. As a matter of fact, ironically, the only people that offer any relief are these healing people or, or cunning people, I should say. Mm -hmm. Because they're the ones that you can go to and, and get some help. So, so let's jump back to 
poor Alice Young. I guess I'd yes. say poor Alice Young. The just, cunning woman. The cunning woman mm -hmm. whose husband has this just wretched disease that goes on, you know, longer than she is because she gets executed. Right. But she becomes the first witch convicted and executed, executed in New England. In New right? England. Yes, that is correct. And how do we know this? Well, we know uh, there's a reference. Uh, John Winthrop in Massachusetts actually makes a reference. He was, a, he was a Massachusetts governor. governor, right. And he makes a reference in his diary uh, that, you know, one of Windsor executed as a witch. But he doesn't use her name, does no, he? No, he doesn't. Yeah. So nobody knows um, who, who, who this person is. And then in the early part, of, the latter part of the 19th century, um, there's a, um, a diary is found. And it's called the Matthew Grant Diary. And he was... Um, um, like a surveyor or something, I think, of in Windsor. Um, but he, he, he didn't write his diary exactly at the same time that th these people were executed. But um, they find on the back page, you know, kind of like in a, on the cover or something, uh, and we have it, we have the diary now. But this, um, was it Trumbull who was the um, state librarian, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. Um, he transcribed the diary, but he didn't tell anybody really about it. Uh, maybe a few people knew about it uh, because there were like sermons in there. There's all kinds. You can see the diary at the state. These are mm -hmm. people who are yeah. really busy venerating yeah. the Puritan fathers. Yeah. They didn't want to emphasize. Yeah, the they witch were concerned, part of that. very concerned about you know, oh, is our town responsible for this? And there was a you know there was a quite a um, to do about it uh, in the newspapers. So finally, um, was it Annie Trumbull? Mm -hmm. um, his daughter. His right? daughter. Right. She um, writes an article uh, in the uh, Hartford Current, and I, I, was it 1906? I can't think of the date, 1906, something like that, in which she says she she, she gives the name, and and uh, because we the name is in uh, the diary, and it's Alice or Axer or sometimes. Uh, uh, it's a Alice, funny spelling yeah. of Alice, yeah, right? It's right. A L S E. Yeah, but it 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 has always fascinated me that here's this case this. We know that we know about the first person executed in for witchcraft in New England because of one sentence in a diary of a guy in Boston, yeah. sixty seventy miles from Windsor, and and we don't know her name because he left it blank. He was going to fill it in sometime and never got to it. And then it takes what three hundred years, three hundred years to find the next sentence, which is one sentence that. Gives her, name, gives her a name, you know, that gives this this and a date of execution to her. And what is that date? Uh, May 26, 1647. 1647. And with her, uh, two other uh, with three other people. Two of the other people are the Carringtons, who were also executed for witchcraft in 1650. And we sort of have an idea that that. Now, know. when you say they're with her, what do you mean? Uh, they're, they're on the same page. Oh, right. Oh. So. Yeah. But not in the same trial. Obviously. No, separate trial. Separate, separate trial. Yeah, they were from Weathersfield. Okay. So, uh, so he's put that he's put those two people down. But we knew a little bit about them. But we just didn't we didn't know about Alice. And then there's a, I think it's John Newbury, and he was executed for um, I think it was sodomy, or something similar to that. Um, but but it's Alice that we that that really is for us the um, tells us what happened. You know. And then the third thing is the. I guess the, the mention by uh, John Winthrop Jr. 
uh, who actually says, and this is just... Well, this the, is the thing that you found, and you know, yeah. it, it amazes me, and actually, shame on me, because I wrote a book about John Winthrop <laughs> And you Jr. didn't find this. I, no, I, I, this is what happens when you're a historian, you read to answer certain questions, mm -hmm. and I'm sure I hadn't gotten to my witchcraft chapter yet, so I, I wasn't even thinking about it, so I'm reading about the medicine involved in this guy's bizarre disease, and Shame on me, I completely overlooked it. So bless you, you found it I and pointed the, it out. So what did you find? What was it? Well, it, was a, it was an article, mm -hmm. uh, not an article, a letter that he writes. And it's, I don't have the original, but I have, it was printed in the... Um, it's a transcript, uh, right? What's it say? It says basically that, you know, John Young's, whose wife was executed as a witch in Windsor. And then it goes on to talk about his... Yeah, this disease. letter is written like many years after the yeah. trial, but it again confirms... But here's the thing. Yeah. That letter wasn't published until four or five years ago. So, Just, yeah, actually, you know, these, these, so the, the Matthew Grant diary, it's in the state library, mm -hmm. and, and it's not published till 1906. This isn't published till 2017. Wonder what else is sitting in, you know... Yeah, that's the thing. What do, what do you have down in the basement of the library here? You, I know, with the city archive, I bet you could find quite yeah, a few things. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you, uh, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the fun of being a historian, yes. it, well, is and, to discover this type of material. You know, and you've, you've done this over and over again in this book, which I think is something that people are going to uh, just love about it. I, I think uh, historians will read this a lot. And, you know, people who like good reads will read it a lot. So yeah, I, I can't believe I actually wrote it. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> so, I've never been like, you know. <laughs> so, you know, we now know that Windsor was the home of the first witch uh, in New England who was convicted and executed. But what is interesting in your book is you pulled the pieces together in a new way. And... You know, that wasn't the end of the story in Windsor by any means, was it? No. So... No, because, well, first of all, Alice probably for, uh, you know, let's just say one thing about Alice's. So the suspicion is there. And so over time, things begin to happen. A lot of people, every year, it seems like there's some kind of epidemic or disease. People are dying, including one of the ministers dies in 1644. Uh, then by 1647, uh, the the, the great flu epidemic happens. I think it was flu. I think that's what they think it was. Um, and it wasn't so bad in Boston, but, um, but I think 27 people, 25 or 27 people died of it in um, Windsor. Now, can you give me a sense of how many people are in Windsor at this time? Is it like just um, a couple hundred? Are we looking at about yeah, It's yeah. a pretty about small population. Small group of so, that's, a, yeah. that's a very so significant okay. death rate okay. for, for a small high. town. Okay. And yeah. compared to I mean, you list them from 1640 to 47 mm -hmm. in your book, and it's like one, one death a year, two death a year, four death a year, one death so a year, one death a year, 27, and then yeah. 26 or 28 the year after. Yeah. So there are two years where there is a sickness that's killing off a lot of people. Right. And that's the same time that Alice Young gets um, executed. Uh, my my thinking on that is that the disease was it was uh, it was beginning, 
and that they were trying to stave off. Again, that's, I, I try to show like in Africa, that's not an uncommon thing, is to get rid of somebody when it looks like things are going to get bad, uh, to try to stop it. Yeah, it is, it is amazing, Brenda, I don't know if you know this, but there are, there are places in the world today where for the same reasons they identified and executed people who were witchcraft 400 years ago, they still are singling out people yeah. as witches and they are still killing them. Today? Today. Yeah, in India, right? Oh, in India. In, in India, India, also in Africa. In, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there are, there are some incredibly strong cultural beliefs about witchcraft that persist through the centuries. No, I didn't realize. It's hard to believe, yeah. yes, but it's, it's going on. Is, so, it, is it today yes. focused on women? Mostly, or do, well, I know witchcraft wasn't focused on women back then, but the majority were women. Um, but today, is it primarily aimed at women? It, it, it depends. It okay. can be. But it's not like, I, I, I wouldn't say it was from the uh, feminist perspective or anything like no, that. No, I'm not. I'm just, I mean, I would just say that if they're doing things that people, or they suspect them, of doing things that they will go after them. It doesn't mean, it, 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 because remember you have witch doctors too, male witch doctors, mm -hmm. and they would go after them. There's stuff going on now in Africa people don't even want to talk about, uh, going after what is it, uh, people that are um, albinos, yeah. and I hate to say this, but chopping them up for pieces, for parts. Mm -hmm. Because they're like considered to be, have great healing yeah, properties. Wow. I mean, there's some really, really weird stuff going really on. Really awful <laughs> practices. But anyway, yeah, we, we, yeah we, we, we've got 45 minutes in, and we haven't begun to get to the, I mean, we've, we've got Alice Young surrounded, yeah. but there's a whole lot of other stuff that I think right. is really interesting, so let's, let's keep yeah. going. Oh, definitely. And, and I love, I, you're, you're doing exactly what <laughs> I want you to do, so don't hold back, just jump in. Okay, the, I will. Um, so... This, Alice Young dies. She's the first witch executed in New England. And you would think that's the end of the story for Windsor, but it's not true no, at all, is it? No. No, what, what happens, what seems to happen is um, we have this one woman, for example, named Mercy Marshfield. Mercy's husband uh, and, and Mercy actually came over. Uh, they were part of the original group. The Western group. Uh, the, the West. Exact West County group. They were church members, as far as I can tell. They had to have been, uh, which meant that it was very important to actually be a church. Not everybody was a church member. Um, so That was a very exclusive club. Yeah. You, you had to go to church, but you didn't get to be a member or to take communion unless you were really seen as being a saint, you know, a very right. godly person. Exactly. And so, from what I can tell, um, and the reason I know this is because there was a deposition done up in Springfield um, in which Mercy um, is accused of, uh, first of all, okay, so Mercy, Mercy and her husband are in, uh, are in Windsor. Her husband either deserts her or he dies. We don't know what happened to him. But we do know that his estate, uh, he owed everybody money, including many of the worthies in Windsor. My thinking on this is that she lost her godliness. Um, with just like the he family did, fortune. With the right? family fortune, yeah. yeah. That's the way, you know, it, mean, it meant she wasn't worthy or she wasn't, uh, probably they thought she wasn't going to be one of the elect. 
uh, whatever happened, we, we, we don't know in, what actually happened in town, but we do know that later she's accused of uh, being a, um, a witch uh, up in uh, Springfield. And the, the accusation goes that the devil followed her house around. The devil what? Followed her house around. Uh-huh. Fo- followed her. Uh-huh. So Mercy, fortunately, um, she, she has moved to Springfield, as I said. And um, that's a whole different, that becomes a different case. She never gets convicted of being a witch. Uh, the woman that accused her, she gets into a lot of problems, but I don't. We don't need to get into that because she's a different, a different. Um, it's a different story. But she. But here is one person from Windsor, this Mercy Marshfield. Right. Her husband loses his fortune, sticks right. a lot of people with yeah. with with debts. Yeah. She leaves town, and then years later, she's accused of being a witch. Exactly. And she wasn't the only one. There, There's you know, two others. And yeah. and you, your book identifies that. It suggests that Mercy Marchfield somehow had a relationship with Alice Young, or there's yes. some kind of proximity, and that there are a bunch of people that are related, oddly enough, by the fact that their husbands are carpenters, right? Yes, that's right. Who end up being accused of being witch, witches. Right. And they're also connected to that um, that group. That London group, right? The London right? group, yes. You just, you know, yeah. those London people, those, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's a way to take care of them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So now, who else? Who who else from Windsor who was in that group became? Okay, there was um, Goodwife Bassett. Now Bassett um, married one of the, the, the young uh, carpenters, and they at around 1641 something like that they moved to um, probably to Fairfield and then later to Stratford. Um, she later is accused of being a witch and is actually hanged. So so the implication is that. This suspicion was there in Windsor, and, and, and possibly, I mean, right. I'm, this is my, you don't say this, although it's kind of implied by their behavior. Mm-hmm. They leave because Windsor's no longer comfortable for well, them, and their reputation precedes probably, them. Yeah. Yeah. them. And I think that in some respect, I think because they may have palled around with Alice, because, mm-hmm. because basically there weren't a lot of women from the, um, the London group. There was just a, the wife, I think, and maybe one other. Um, so there weren't a lot of women from the London group. They were mostly young men who came there to build houses for the um, for the people that were going to come later, but they never came. You know, uh, Saltonstall's group was supposed to come over. So basically, um, so this good, good good wife Bassett, and she is is hanged. And then this goes on to um, somebody else, Goodwife Knapp, who, who I don't believe was in Windsor, but knew Goodwife Bassett. But that's a different, a different yeah, story. And then, and, but another one of these Windsor people, Lydia Gilbert, right? It's Lydia Gilbert. Same, that's, similar story. Exactly, Lydia. The thing about Lydia was interesting was that you know she she, she actually got into trouble when she was a, a younger woman. Uh, she ended up um, going to jail or whatever they had at the time, some kind of jail. Uh, with two other guys, and one of the guys she actually married. Um, the guy she married had been married previously. His wife died. He married her, and they're living uh, with um, right next door to one of the um, the Niles group, uh, one of the Niles family. And so um, there's there's a uh, a murder takes place. Um, it's an accidental shooting, and she's not even there. But you know. She gets accused of it anyway, of, of causing it. 
This was a militia accident or something? Yeah, it was a militia day. accident. They're out, they're out practicing yeah. on the parade ground, and somebody's gun goes right. off, and they die, and so right. it's her so, fault. So she gets accused of it. And the thing that, that had struck me about that that was kind of interesting was when I was reading about um, um, Margaret Jones. Margaret Jones um, was a, a cunning woman, if you will, in Massachusetts, and she was the second woman executed as a witch. She was executed in 1648. But if you read about what they talked to her about, they actually said to her, well, we know you had stolen something when you were young, so basically, younger, you're a bad, you were a bad person, and we always knew you were a bad person. Now we know you're a witch, pretty much, is what they... You know, you one, know. Of the, one of the really interesting things about her case is that it, in the case of Alice Young, who, about whom we, we have this one, these now right. three sentences, right. formerly mm -hmm. two sentences, we know almost nothing for sure. You know, I mean, what you have found right. is... Just the disease. Her husband well, had disease no, and she they, tried I'm, to treat it, When yeah. you read the book, you'll see there's just a whole bunch of evidence that comes together. It's a new way of thinking about Alice Young. We've now got something to really consider about her that we didn't. But the actual factual documented stuff, not much of it. Margaret Jones becomes number two and is in Massachusetts. When Governor Winthrop writes about her, it's almost yeah. like oh, he's like, oh my goodness. He describes in intense Jesus. detail the reasons why, the proofs that she is a witch and why she has to be executed. And it's just point, 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 point. It's almost like he's trying to prove that if you have any doubts that this person needed to die, I'm going to show you all the reasons why she did it. And one of the things that comes up is, and I bring this in, is that during the English Civil War, because of the failure of the government, it collapsed pretty much because they were fighting. Um, you have someone like Matthew Hopkins, and it's a lot of the Matthew Hopkins, because of what he did from around 1645 to 1647, um, going after witches in England, and there's like 100 to 200 people that get executed. We don't know exactly how many. But some of, a lot of his ideas then get transported over to New England. Yeah, this is what the, the, Matthew Hopkins is probably going to come out of the blue for most people. But yeah. the, Alice Young starts in 1647. She's she's yeah. executed in 1647, so her case is bubbling up in 45, 46. Now over in England, in the place where these people from Windsor came from. There's this guy named Matthews Hopkins who in 45 and 46 just goes crazy, right? Mm -hmm. What does he do? Well, he goes, he begins to hunt down witches, basically. He gets, his, he gets a woman uh, uh, that he's going to bring along with him and this other fellow, John Stearns, and he begins to, and there's, there's, people, that, there's people that want to get rid of people too. Mm -hmm. And he begins to, to tell them, I can do this. And one of the things they do is they look for witches marks they, we get to the idea of swimming witches. Uh, swimming? swimming? Swimming witches? It's putting witches it, it, in. It's not like idea. Esther Williams. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you, you tie them dump them, them right? Yeah. 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 And the idea behind that, of course, is um, you know, if the water rejects you, then you're actually not a witch. But if the, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, if the, if, the, if, you, um, if the water rejects you, you are a witch. If you, if you, if you float, you're a witch. If you don't float, then you're not a witch. And it goes back to the idea of baptism, mm -hmm. the water. The water rejects you. Were you were accepted into the waters of Christ when you were yeah. baptized. So, If you've made a deal with the devil, 
these waters are now going to reject you and you're going to float to the surface. So now yeah. what I've never seen, and maybe it's in Dalton or the other things, mm -hmm. how long do you let people sit on the bottom before well, you that's, stay innocent? That's the problem, that sometimes yeah. people died. Yeah. But yeah. one of the main things was the idea of watching and looking, for, waiting for familiars to show up. And actually, Win, uh, Winthrop writes about the fact that right a familiar shows that there's a child yeah. that he sees as, somebody sees as a familiar. So explain what a familiar is. A, film, a familiar is sort of like a demon that um, basically does the, does the will of the witch. And the idea is, the other, the other idea about it is that um, we, you can tell a witch by a, she may have a, or a man can have it too, a witch's teat, which is they would suckle the demon or the familiar oh. on that. And they get some kind of um, you know, spiritual sustenance from the devil by doing the, that. These are essentially English inventions, right? right they exactly. come out of this period. That yeah. How do you identify a witch? You, you search her body. Or yeah. his body. For yeah. a mark, some sort of yeah, there's mark. Yeah, different, there's different marks. marks. There's, okay. Right, there's witch's marks or devil's marks. That's mm -hmm. one type of mark. And then there's the witch's teeth, which is something different. But the witch's marks and devil's marks are that once the devil uh, has recruited you, he marks you so that you know he will know you. And is that mark distinctive in any way? Or Because this is a it's community usually, that freckled yeah. and it could be. everything else. It, you know, it yeah. should be insensitive. It should be insensitive. But I don't know how insensitive meaning you can stick a needle, needle in, in it and people yeah. wouldn't feel it, right? Yeah. But that, who knows, right? If they really. But the, the, you know, the thing that to us is so shocking about this is the the kinds of abuses that suspected witches were uh, put that, that were inflicted. Yeah, put mm. through the. Because if I understand right, the process is that a group of the leading women in the town, you know, the yeah. most respectable women, and I would assume the midwife. The is midwife the especially. Yeah. And they literally strip the suspect down to nothing. And they go over every centimeter of that person's body. And the, the description, is it Staples in Connecticut where there is yes. a, a description? It's just, it's horribly abusive. This is not tender. This is not will. And, you know, it's almost like it, it strikes me, based on, you know, what I know, that there's probably no person over 40 or 50 who, if you wanted to find a, a witch's mark or something, you'd find it on their body somewhere. I, I would think so, yes. But it's really, it's gruesome abuse. Did anyone go through that and come out clean? After that experience, there were probably some people that Sounds actually like did. Yeah, not. I mean, not everybody that was accused was actually convicted. Mm -hmm. you know? Now, they, the thing about the marks and things like that, they didn't necessarily, that didn't convict you. That was like pointing to the fact you might be a witch. It was supporting mm -hmm. it was evidence. Started. Yeah, and, but they they needed what they really wanted was a self confession. Yeah, oh. that was the, that was the thing they wanted the most if they could get that, and that's what. Matthew um, Hopkins actually argued in his book, The Discovery of Witches, he says, well, what I really wanted was a confession, you know. Because that would just wipe their conscience. Exactly. Yeah, so he... You know, they did the right thing, and right. this person he, admits to it. He, you, you talk about this. He used some new forms of coercion on witches mm -hmm. that then were adopted in New England, right? Right, right. What, what would he do? Well, some of the things that... Well, particularly the, the real coercion See, was the watching, tying them up, and they couldn't move, and they would sit for days... That, tied up. that was tied up like by, by rope. Bound, being yeah. Yeah. No, I, in a room. Yeah. 
and being watched by people. You know, there was a lot of watching going on. You sort of, when you read some of these depositions, you, you have to sort of watch it carefully. <laughs> watch it, I mean, but you have to uh, pay attention. So-and-so was the sheriff or, or worked for the sheriff, and he, he was there to watch. You know, and, and so you know they were there to actually watch these it's people. Surveillance. Yeah. Just you watch them in the cell, and sooner or later the familiar will come. The you know right. the devil so will come. There'll be something. Something will happen. But he used to also. I don't know if this was done in New England, but they did. They walk them. They would walk them. Uh, just keep walking them. Hold them and walk them sleep around. Sleep deprivation. And sleep deprivation was a big thing. What, somebody asked me about this, and I want to tell you uh, very quickly. I did a comparison. In a comparison, but I talked about the fact that. In um, European witchcraft is quite different from English witchcraft uh, for a lot of reasons. One thing about which English uh, witchcraft is, first of all, if you were accused of witchcraft, it was a felony. So it wasn't a heresy. Mm -hmm. And the church wasn't involved, you know, as far as it really wasn't involved the way that it was on the continent. But one of the things on the continent that was permitted by the church was torture. Mm -hmm. And somebody did ask me, they said, um, I was talking about what we were just talking about, tying them up and, you know, um, walking them and stuff like that. And they said, well, isn't that torture? Uh, or dunking them in the water. And I said, well, yes, it sort of is if you think about it. But you have to remember, torture in those days meant like um, putting hot coals on somebody's or feet. being on the rack. Or, or being on the rack, yeah. right. And, uh, or having the Iron Maiden, you know, that mm -hmm. type of thing. And so there's quite a difference. And England didn't allow torture. That's that was another. Although, thing. if you were there, you know, if you were a twenty-first century person there, you might think, well, if this isn't torture, I don't know what yeah. is. But then we've had those debates we've in this country, yeah. yeah. But you have to compare to what they could have, what, what they could have used as torture, you know, and they didn't. And so, and the difference there is because the um, witch hunting on the continent, there were hundreds and hundreds of people um, that were implicated because when you get tortured, you give up names. For the English, um, there were some cases but they were you know if you look at the witch hunting it's very limited compared to what was going on because they didn't have they didn't really give up names the same way they did on the continent so can you talk about the familiar just for a moment you know when you had this familiar mm -hmm. you know of course you kind of associate cats with witches and mm -hmm. witchcraft would it just be an animal that wanders in or a child that might wander in or and what would happen to the familiar would they also execute the familiar or no 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 the familiar was something they that they you, you wouldn't you would talk about it you would think you saw it like it was a big black oh, so dog it was almost a it's like a spiritual a thing. A spiritual thing that yeah. didn't exist in full right. body or human it, body. Or right. Human you know, you might only see it in passing, but it could be could be a mouse or a rat or a yeah. cat or a dog. Form and and if you think, you know, I often think about this as a sort of an elegant solution for people who are really looking to have evidence against suspects because... It's an early modern society. In the dark, you see something scurry across, across the floor. That's you know somebody's familiar. It is, mm -hmm. and the story's just you know over and over again. It's it's uh, when you read the accounts are kind of limited, but when you read the stories of what happened, it's it's haunting. It's not haunting in the mm -hmm. Halloween way. It's it um, it's very sober. And I also had spirits or specters too, which you know they. That, well, that see, you know, and that that brings us one of the one of the most interesting people. He's crazy men. Yeah. <laughs> now, Brenda, what, one of the one of the really most interesting people that you talk about isn't a witch; she's an accuser, 
and that's Ann Cole, right, of oh, yes. Hartford, yeah. who, tell us about her. She was, she was, a, what, she was a demoniac, right? A demoniac, yeah, I use that, I use that term, you know, it's, it's an older term, but she was possessed, and uh, what happens to her, what, I, what I've been able to kind of determine is, one of the things that you, uh, I hate to do this, but I go back to, one of the big things about the Hartford panic or witch hunt or hysteria um, that, that happened was that a lot of people talk about what happened in the church because when there was strife in the church, it meant the devil was involved. And there's a strife in almost every church, by the way. But this went on for years in Hartford. So we've gotten a little ahead of the story because we're talking about the Hartford witch hunt. That, that's not what happened in Windsor with Alice Young, right? right. That happened they, after that. Right. The Hartford witch hunt is around 18, the 18, uh, 18, six, uh, 1662. Uh, mm -hmm. So about 20 years after. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's, other witch, there's other witch trials during this time period. But um, the one that, and, there, and a lot of these people are tried in Hartford, actually, but it isn't specific to Hartford. They're brought in or tried. And some of the others are tried, like in Stratford and Fairfield. But what they do is they send out a particular court to do the mm -hmm. trial. Was Alice tried in Windsor, or was she tried in Hartford? She was tried in Hartford. She was tried in Hartford. Yes, that's, that's the thing that's the irony is that, well, it's not an irony, it's the particular court, that's where they did the trials, yeah. and that's where it took the place. The particular she was executed court. in Hartford. The particular court is a kind of court. It's not. It, it's not one of many. It is the highest court in the colony, and it is usually the assistance to the governor. You know, it's the, it's the eminences of the colony. And if it, if there's a case in Connecticut where someone can die, a capital case, mm. it is heard by the particular court. So, suspects who are charged with an offense for which they can die, of which witchcraft is one of them are brought to Hartford for trial. So Alice was executed in Hartford? Yes, yes. She was brought here, tried here, and then executed And here. in the old state house? Yeah. Do, do we know where yeah. the Hartford witches were executed? Not really, no. I mean, everybody speculates. Where do you, what do you, do you speculate? I think I said it was out a little bit going out on the, um, what was it, Albany Avenue there? I, that's, you know. Oh, really, by the, um, the Keeney Clock Tower area? Um, there's a, it was a house, I can't think of Someone that. who told me it was near the, I mean, the, the best evidence that I've read, and no one knows for sure, mm. is that it probably was at the location of, it was on Goodwin land, the land that became okay. the Goodwin estate in later, year, later years, near Albany and Ivy Street, somewhere around there. Yeah, is what yes. they, but, but, you know, having said that, it was from an article I read that was pretty persuasive, but I couldn't tell you what particular evidence they use. And there is no document that I found. Now, you know, Richard, given your no, luck I, so far. Just, oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I just heard somebody, I read somewhere that somebody said something, maybe it was Tomlinson or somebody, who said something that there was something about a place where, where people were executed. But it didn't necessarily mean witches as far mm -hmm. as right now. So that's, that's the problem. Some of these things we just don't have yet, that information. But we know that it, it, wherever it was, it had to be some place where people could, would gather. Could gather. And, and and because they want, these are, these are demonstration executions. Mm -hmm. yep. They're, they are it, all capital punishments in Connecticut up into the 1700s were 
they were for public edification. People came, there was a sermon preached to the uh, person just before they died. Funeral sermons were among the most popular. And, yeah, they have some. Um, but, but then, do we know where these witches are buried? No. So, yeah. Generally, they didn't, because they were, they were cast, outcasts. So that they would, you know, I, I think at one point I said maybe they discreetly, the family discreetly took her and may have buried her someplace, but you would not put a marker up or anything like that. Was her that. husband still alive when she was executed? Yes. And did he suffer any consequences or could you, um, he, he moved out of town a few move. years later, yeah. I think around 1649, I think he left and moved to Stratford, as far as I know. So there's no Windsor relatives to Alice? Well, yeah. Um, I shouldn't say that. Alice had a daughter, okay. we think, and I think what's his name, Demos, kind of found something. And I did look up that. I looked it up. I didn't put it the the, the thing I had in the you know the um, what would you call it the record. Uh, I didn't make a copy of it and put it in the book, but but it, you do talk about yeah her her uh, daughter and Alice, maybe being twenty years old. Yeah, yeah. I got. I found. Something. I think what what is her. Um, baptismal record and the reason I, I have a couple reasons why I think it is her baptismal record and one of the reasons is too is because it you know we know the these women married around 20 years old 21 22 years old and this is a good 20 years later and so um, so we've got Alice and um, she marries a, a Simon Beeman uh, and he is uh, he lives in Springfield and she's up in Springfield and so that's that's her daughter, and so that's where the family, the Beeman family, if you were to trace it, you would trace it back to the Beemans and then back down to the, um, you know Alice. But that's as far back as as far I've been able to go. Maybe somebody would be able to find out. Some people think her name. She's a no. That's not her. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of someone else. That's I'm thinking of Greensmith. Um, yeah, they they really don't know where she came from and. Uh, and I speculate London for a couple of different reasons, and I, and I believe that that is her um, daughter's um, baptismal record. You know, I'm thinking we've got we've got so much wonderful stuff about Alice Young. We may just kind of focus the podcast around her. But how do we how do we put Connecticut witch hunting in context compared to Salem? It's earlier, but right. how does it stack up? You know, there, there were lots of people died, lots of people were tried. Is it the same as Salem? How, how would you compare them? Well, Salem was really, um, I think, um, more of a hysteria than, except for maybe you could say that there was a hysteria here in Hartford. The Hartford, the Hartford witch, witch hunt. hunt. Yeah, it was more hysterical. Um, the other, the other. Uh, first of all, um, it was, it was kind of like Al. Um, what did I say? Um, Anne. Anne Cole, Anne Cole, right? Yeah. All right. Anne Cole was kind of similar to the girls in Salem. So you know, in in Salem, you had these girls who oh, became yeah. accusers, and they right. And we they, all saw the Crucible. We know that yeah. story. <laughs> and they're innocent. I mean, they're really innocent as far as they they never go to trial. Um, everybody else does, and Anne's kind of the same way. Um, she, she's a young girl. She's sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah, and she she like the girls in Salem, and it's interesting yeah. that you make that comparison. She wakes up, or not wakes up, but she begins to exhibit 
symptoms that make people think she's been possessed by the devil. Right. She's not. She's not a servant of the devil, but the devil is literally literally taken over her body. What happens? Well, when he when, what happens is that she um, begins to she she has an outburst, I guess, in the church, of course, right, and a couple of other young women also, but we don't hear about them, but we do hear about her. And then she continues to she, she continues to do this, and they take her to the Willis House for a big prayer and fast because they they hope that by doing this it will help her It'll in some cleanse way. Her some yeah. Way, yeah. And so she's um, she's there, and that's where um, one of the, I think that may not be the only place, but we know that from the record, the depositions that we have, that she begins to name names there, and mostly it's her neighbors huh. that she names as witches. Um, and as I've tried to argue, uh, the people that she names are not the most respectable people in town, um, unlike her family, uh, who, if you, you know, if you read about it, you'll see that her, her father and her um, relatives were all members of the, of the Hartford Church. They were also part of the old, I'm going to call them originalists, um, the, the real congregationalists. And they did not like um, what um, Reverend Stone was up to. So the church, there, there was a wing in the church in the 1660s that were much more tolerant than the original Puritan wing, right. and they called for easier admission and some other things, and you know, the old guard wasn't having it. And Ann Cole's family, family was part of this old, old guard in a church that now, it's not like Windsor where there's one party that dominates everything. Now you've got a church that is literally split and very tensely divided. Right, and it's so bad that actually the um, a, a group of some of the most important people in Hartford actually in 1659 leave Hartford and go and found Hadley, Massachusetts. They withdraw, they're called the withdrawers, and they've been fighting since the early 1650s over who's going to lead the church. So, so this Anne Cole, who's part of this fundamentalist faction, hmm. is she starts kind of ranting, right? Right, in exactly. really weird ways. What mm -hmm. does she do? Well, she speaks in a in a Dutch accent. <laughs> so you've got now all of a sudden you've got people like Reverend Stone and some and Whiting, and these are the, the ministers. And I think um, is it Sam Hooker? I I, I think there's there's three or four ministers. A couple of them from the Hartford Church maybe the Wethersfield Church, I think the Farmington Church, they, of course, have come to see her because, you know, when things happen like this, you call on the religious people because they're the, they're the experts. Mm -hmm. uh, the magistrates are kind of like, what the heck's going on? We don't know, you know. But they, they bring them in. And so Whiting, I think Reverend Whiting, starts taking notes about everything she's saying. And she speaks in this Dutch accent, and um, what's his name, uh, Reverend Stone, can't understand it. How could she possibly speak in a Dutch accent? It's got to be demons, you know. And then she starts saying things and naming people. Um, and they, so, but she's not speaking Dutch. Just no, just a Dutch in a, tone. Just in a Dutch yeah, tone. accent. A Dutch mm -hmm. accent. Yeah. And there's a few Dutch people actually yeah, in. Yeah, I would imagine you know, there I, would be. I have a Dutch daughter-in-law, and she speaks in a Dutch tone, and it's pretty <laughs> impressive. Sometimes, yeah. So what happens is you start to get, you know, she starts accusing people of being witches, and then pretty soon that boils over into, you know, the Hartford Witch Hunt, right? Witch so many yeah. of the people she names, as in Salem, yeah. you know, a whole, a whole group of people come under scrutiny all at once, and, you know, 
the in the witch hunt there were uh, what That's a lot of people eight trials in eight yeah. months four people executed the ones who weren't executed were so afraid they would be convicted and killed that they fled and you know again if you think about people living in islands surrounded by danger people who flee town in the middle of the night are fleeing they're leaving one imminent danger and going to face dangers other places. equally scary but unknown yeah. because they think it's the best option and that happened over and over yeah. again didn't a lot, it? They, they fled to Rhode Island because at that time Rhode Island was probably and some went to New York so would you say would you say the Connecticut witch hunting was as bad as Salem and when you when you take it in perspective is it is it you know I don't know that you could ever call witch hunting better but is it a milder Former is it just a different thing? I, I think it was uh, a different thing. I, I think that the the hysteria that was whipped up in Salem was was very um, was it was so unusual. And it it was concentrated too, right. wasn't very it? Very concentrated. Oh, like less than two years, you have 150 trials or something, right. and 19 people hanged, and yeah. more die waiting for trial. Yeah. And yeah. you had you, you didn't he, have that many in all of the period in Connecticut. No, right? basically it was a much more. Um, uh, what they were doing was they were actually trying to. Now we don't know how many actual trials there were because we don't have any really a lot of records, but we do know that you know people that they they really suspected they went through trials, they were legitimate trials. I mean the difference I think in some ways is that. The trials that they had in, as you know, in, in um, uh, the Salem witch trials were not, the legal system didn't really, um, it wasn't a true legal system. There was, they had, in some sense, I hate to say this, but you know, the, um, uh, when the, uh, when, um, what's his name? Uh, I can never think of it. Um, Sewell? No, I'm thinking of um, our own um, Governor Winthrop, uh, Jr. When Governor Winthrop went over to England, this is when he was in England that these witch trials broke out. And as you know, I mean, you've written about this, that, you know, he was kind of a moderating influence. In, um, he was but, an alchemist, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Magic practitioner. So, uh, but in, in, back in Massachusetts, there was no real government at the time. And when there was, the, um, there had been a revolution, the, the Glorious Revolution in England, and, and so they kicked out the, um, the, what was it called, New England Dominion or something to yeah, that Dominion effect. Dominion of New England. Dominion right. of New England. And they kicked out um, the, the head of that. And so Massachusetts actually had a, had a, had a revolt against this, this fellow, and they got rid of him. And so there wasn't a real government, and they but, were waiting for the government. You know, it's interesting, though. There's a real comparison between the first witch hunts in Connecticut happened mm -hmm. at a time when the government was really unstable. Yeah, exactly. And the Salem witch hunt happens at a time when, once again in Massachusetts, the government is really unstable because they've overthrown a royal government, but they don't know what's going to replace that government. Exactly. They're waiting for the new governor to show up when Salem happens. Right. And you've got this new Oyer, court of Oyer and Termina, or just to see and to hear or something. Um, and basically, that's that's a court that really shouldn't have been doing what it was doing, but it did it anyway. 
and did the 19 people and one person that they crushed with the stones. So that's 20 people. Um, and they didn't really run the trials according to the way they should have been running them. One of the ironies of Salem, interestingly enough, is that, that the best way to prolong your life and maybe be saved in Salem was to confess. Oh. Whereas, yeah. if you confessed in Connecticut, it you know that was the next sentence. But people would, people would confess in Salem because it bought them time, because they would let you sit in jail and they'd wait for you to tell who your accomplices were, and by buying time, they waited. They hoped maybe the you know this panic would subside or the new governor would show up and act as a moderating influence. So it's a, it's people, you know, confessing normally would have been certain death, but it was just a quirk of the way they yeah, ran and, their court. And that is an irony because in Connecticut, um, if you confessed, they, over, they, they basically followed a pretty, pretty solid legal system. Mm -hmm. You know, they followed the way it should be the courts. Um, they brought witnesses in, they did everything, you know, that they were supposed to do. Uh, and sometimes people were convicted of being witches, and you know we some, we don't really know all the time um, what the real reason was, what finally you know um, you know caused the conviction. But as you're saying, we and we know that in Salem, the people that that refused to confess to being witches, they're the ones they took them out and executed them, and they should never have done that. And so, in a way, if you look at the the Connecticut one, at least it was a little more legalistic. Yeah, they, they would browbeat you into <laughs> confessing and then kill you, yeah. but at least, you know, right. but at followed least the rules of the law. And, yeah. and the best part of it, too, is that they um, would browbeat you after you confessed because they wanted you to yeah, name you know, names. Yeah. You know, particularly that uh, Elizabeth Knapp, I think, right. or Goodwife Knapp or something like that. that. We have the best evidence of that because for, for, from another trial. But they actually go through and you, everybody shows up in her cell and is trying to get her to confess to other people being witches. You know? well, I, Richard, I hope people listening to this podcast get a sense of just how much is in your book that is worth reading and thinking about. It's, uh, I, I think this, I think you've written a book that is going to be discussed, read, and thought about for a long, long time. Well, I really appreciate this. that. <laughs> and, yeah, I really do. I, as someone who has worked on this topic and read your book and kind of marveled at the connection you've made over and over again about things that other people mm -hmm. haven't thought about. I, I want to ask you a question that it was one that um, it was one that sat on my shoulder all the time I wrote about witchcraft and that's the, that because of the limited documentation there's, there's, uh, there's some and it's incredibly useful but there's there's a lot of places where you go out and you have to find all the evidence you can. And that brings you to connections that make sense. But you don't have the smoking gun over and over again. You know, you have, you have, it's, it's, you have things that, it sort of seems like this is how it would happen. You don't know for sure, but at some point you've got to take, you, you've got to play your hunch in a mm -hmm. way. How did you, in working on this book, distinguish between, well, this was possible, this is plausible, this is probable? Well, I, 
whatever evidence I had, I tried to work with the evidence that was there. Right. If I had no evidence and if I speculated, right. you can't make it up whole cloth. I, I wouldn't do that. I yeah. mean, that's. Um, I think I got that from working on my first book. I hate to say it, but I had to work. I was working in um, four or five languages, and I was pulling together something that hadn't been done before either, uh, having to do with all this um, this epidemic disease in in as I said. Uh, the collar in uh, Prussia, but I, en I ended up getting involved in Poland and Russia, and it became much more than just about epidemic disease. And so when I was doing that, I, I guess I got the practice mm -hmm. of looking at at things, and not only in one language but in multiple languages. And so doing this in English was wonderful. And looking at the evidence, I tried to use the evidence that was there and look at it really closely. And then, of course, reading um, material uh, from the time period, um, particularly original sources, uh, over and over again, looking for clues. Uh, and that's basically what I tried to do, is look for clues uh, to what the thinking might have been at the time. And try to, in some, say, some sense, maybe speculate. But, you know, as a historian, you do the best you can, I guess. There you go. Mm -hmm. you know. There you go. And, you know, that's what makes history such a a battleground often because people can look at the same thing and interpret Draw it different conclusions. very well, different like ways. One of the things that you know, I, I wanted to bring up um, just at the end was the um, grounds for examination of a witch as an example. Well, there's, and no, there is a, <laughs> a very solid right. mm -hmm. document that you, you did just wonderful work with this. So it, it's a document that has been, we know it was a factor in, in witch trials in Connecticut. But Richard has gone back, found the sources, teased out. Tell us about it. it well, basically, I just want to say there's, there's an example of something, and that was almost serendipity. Um, I, have, I was interested in demonology, English demonology, and also continental, but particularly English, since I don't read Latin very well. But you know, I would get translations and look at it. But this was in English. And so uh, I was looking at these English demonology books and reading through them, and you know, as I said, I was reading them over and over again, saying, hmm, "What does this mean? What does that mean?" Um, so then I came, you know, obviously I came across this document um, when I was, uh, I was I was kind of curious about it, obviously, and so I'm reading it and I'm going through it, and you know how all of a sudden I read this before somewhere, you know, it was kind of like that's what happened. I, I you know I read this now I had to go back and find it. And I lucked out, and uh, I realized it came from Perkins's uh, book, Discourse on the Damned Out of Witchcraft. And who was Perkins? Uh, he was a minister, uh, lived around the early part of, latter part of the, um, I would say, the 16th century, and died at the very beginning of the, um, of the 17th century. And he was a famous, famous minister, world famous, actually, in his time. Um, but this book was actually, his book, Discourse on the Damned Out of Witchcraft, was published after his death. And in that, he talks about, you know, how to know witches, and he goes and talks about witchcraft in general. Um, and he's very, I should say, he's very specific and has all these different, um, all the various chapters dealing with all aspects of witchcraft, a history, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, that's, that's how I came across it. I just, it was just almost serendipity. I said, I read this somewhere before and went back and found And it. you found that whole sections of yeah. his book were, were, were copied right, exactly. into this document, but in some cases 
they, they, the emphasis was right. Changed, he right? was a little less uh, emphasis on actually finding witches, um, to the extent that you know he wanted to make sure that if you're gonna if you're going to say somebody's a witch, they better be a witch. I, I you know he he didn't want to have people making mistakes. Um, so, and whereas the way the document was copied, there's a couple of places there where it sounds like this person is a little less concerned about that and just looking, uh, if, if, if this person meets the requirements of, you know, 80%, I think he might be, we're going we're gonna to take him on as a witch, you know. So um, there's a few words that are a, a little bit different, but most of it is pretty much the same, uh, but it's abbreviated. Now, did you use any of Trinity's resources there? Did you find anything in the um, Watkinson that, that surprised you? Uh, well, you one thing in the Watkinson, I have to tell you something funny. Um, in the Watkinson, there is a book. It's a, it's a book in Latin. I didn't use it uh, for this book, but I used to use it in my class. And it was the, the when I was talking about Gallows Hill and people talked about, well, this is a connection with the witches. And all. Well, they didn't really have the connection with Gallows Hill, but there is a book in the library uh, it's in Latin, and it was owned by uh, Bray Rossiter, who was the um, uh, the doctor, the so-called doctor, um, who actually did the autopsy on the on the young Kelly girl. So I used to pull that out and show my stat, my my students, and say, "Well, we do have a connection here. It is, you know, type of thing." Uh, yes, I I, I used um, uh, a number of years ago. I had gotten the uh, 17th century. It's called the 17th century set book set. Uh, we got it for the library, and it's, a, it's an electronic, they're all 17th century books in electronic format. Now, they're not in the Watkinson, but the Watkinson has some of them. Mm -hmm. But I, it's easier for me to use the electronic books rather than um, search for spending years. Be calm, of, Brenda. <laughs> Be calm. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. But there are other books in the Watkinson that I, you know, something like um, Cotton Mather, I think we had a um, I, I, of course, I'll buy some of those books still <laughs> when I was there. I mean, I would work with Rick and uh, before that, um, Jeffrey um, Kamowitz. And so we, we, we'd get some of these when we could. Uh, but they also had a nice witchcraft collection before I got there. So um, I, w I did use some of them and, um, you know, use the documents at, uh, here at the, li at the library mm -hmm. and also at Brown's, got a, um, a, them online, which is yeah. really, really helpful. They put, them, they put them online? Oh, yeah. Oh. The all the depositions. Oh. And the, you know what's nice about the way they did it? It would have made my life so yeah. much easier when I was doing it's, my book. What's really nice is that they, you can blow them up. You know, yeah. They put after. the originals online? Yeah, the originals. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. That's I mean, the Anne Mary Brown yes, selection yeah. in the yeah. John Hayes Library. Yeah. So it's great. Now, if I was teaching, I would, I would have my students now be able to actually do me. That's, that's a, you know, not to to belabor the point, but the, it's a collection of depositions of testimonies related to uh, uh, one of the really important trials, the trial of Catherine Harrison and mm -hmm. some others, but yes. the Harrison trial is the, that's, you know, the one, it's a great collection, the Willis Papers. Yeah, right? the Willis Papers, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, well, Brenda? Yeah, did, I am fully much more informed on, on <laughs> oh, witchcraft than I was before I walked in this door. I mean, but here I'm sitting with two folks who are just, have done a lot of research in this field. I mean, it's amazing. What, both your books, does your book t touch on it, Walt? I do, well, yeah, I, I, I'm writing about John Winthrop Jr. who was the governor in, in during the period when 
many of the witch trials took place. But during the height of the Hartford witch hunt, I mean, you talk about this. He, yes. He had been, he, he had to go to England because Connecticut, this is interesting. It's another case where the colony's government is in jeopardy because the, the, the Puritans had executed Charles I. And two years before the witch hunt broke out in Hartford, they had reinstated Charles II. They had restored the crown in England. Poor Connecticut, where you know they were on the side of the people who had killed the first king, and they don't have a charter giving them any legitimacy. They, you know, what, what they do have is really tenuous. They say, somebody's got to go over and make nice with the new king. So they send John Winthrop Jr. and he, go, he goes to England. What you argue in your book that I hadn't thought about in mine is that Winthrop had been, when he got involved in witchcraft cases, he was a very moderating influence. And you suggest that, you know, that there's a lot of resentment about that. There were people who really felt that he was too soft on this witchcraft thing, and that when he went to England, that was that, what they that could do. What they it let the dogs out, right? Yeah, I, I just think that that might have been. I, I think that's you know. I think that's a you know that's an incredibly interesting idea, and it's one of those interpretations you could argue yeah, either way. But exactly. I find it I find it pretty persuasive, and it's one of, I hadn't I hadn't thought about it like that. Um, but anyway, the Hartford witch hunt occurred while he was in England trying to get a charter, and he came back, and when he got back with the charter, he set out to try to damp things down again. And it, it took another six yeah. years, but ultimately they, they changed the rules of evidence in witchcraft that made it impossible to execute again, and no one, no one was ever hanged for witchcraft. So what were they? Were they jailed? For that, of well, time there or? were there were people who were accused, and they were jailed. But when they went to trial, they weren't convicted except in the very last case in 1692. Mm. A jury convicted a yeah a jury a jury con well I misspoke about that. There actually were convictions, but when they were convicted, the magistrates intervened to either overturn the conviction or find a way to let the person go. They're, and this happened all the way through to the end. No one, no one after 1663 was ever executed for witchcraft in Connecticut again. Were they actually kicked out of the community? Were they asked to leave one of the, the most important? One of the best ways of solving that community problem was to, Just to have get them to, to go. On. So there was a lot of Movement. There was a yeah. lot of, we won't kill you, but you're going to move away, right? And really quickly. And that was kind of the solution, actually. Yeah. <laughs> was, you know, sort of banishment, but nobody really banished them, but they knew that if they didn't get out of town, just, things were going to be rough. It was a negotiated settlement. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I came up with, uh, I noticed in Hadley, and I bring it up because they, in England, they actually went after people and started, you know, rousting them and doing things to them maybe even executing, killing a few people, you know. Um, but here in, in, in Massachusetts, one of the things you have to remember was Hadley was settled by the, or the, by the fundamentalists right. here in, in Hartford. They settled Hadley, and I think the woman, the woman that they, 
accused of being a witch. She was tried. Um, she was actually the, was the daughter of the former governor of Connecticut. Yeah. Um, and so one night, um, a bunch of uh, young men, it was in the wintertime, I guess, um, grabbed her and threw her around in the snow and did, you know, really roughed her up real bad and left her actually almost to die. She didn't die. Um, but she had been accused of being a witch and she was not convicted. And so they were, they were showing her what they were going to do to her if she kept it up, you know. Yeah, I mean, one of, the, one of the parts of this story that is not often told is the sort of rough, informal justice people would inflict. The, the, there's a European custom called Sharibari, which is it's, it's kind of a ritual where people show up in the night and they either vandalize your property or they, you know, they hurt you. They do things that show clearly that the community isn't happy with and in the case of Catherine Harrison, it's a big case in Connecticut. Yes. That's a you know they go after cattle, they they hamstring them, they literally cut their legs. It's there's a community, an angry community that fears for its safety, is a potentially dangerous group. Oh, always. Geez, I can imagine. That's where we. So. With the Native American Indian, was there any relationship between witches and the community that surrounded them? Was it because they were communicating with them more? Was it because they were in the woods more? Was it? There were there were which uh, what you would call um, accusations that the people were, um, you know, get, getting involved with the Indian gods and doing things that. Uh, they shouldn't have been doing. So there was a closer relationship and this, that could happen with Alice in the beginning? This really becomes the, the connection of indigenous people with the devil becomes much more common. You, you read about it more after King Philip's War, which was this brutally violent war on the English in 1675 to 77 that nearly drove the English out of the country. And the, the net effect of that war is that as far as the English were concerned, Indians were never to be trusted again. And then you start getting references to, you know, the devil show, devil's an Indian being sort of the same thing, a black Indian or a man who looked like an, a black, a, a black dressed man who looked like an Indian. You start to get those things. And the, as long as there are fears of Indian attacks, and you point this out, that, mm -hmm. that yeah. in the 1640s, when the, when the witchcraft, when Alice Young is hanged, it's a time of real unrest. There's, the Indians are at war in New York, and uh, it, they, Stanford is evacuated because of Indian threats. Right. And, and in Connecticut, they mobilize an army thinking they're gonna have to fight the Indians. So, when people are afraid of the Indians, that gets mixed into their fears of the devil. And one of the reasons Puritan ministers were really happy to associate Indians with the devil is Indians would do healing things that worked. Mm -hmm. They could, you know, they could yeah. do magic that for all visible purposes was extraordinarily effective. And Roger Williams was one of the ministers who, he refused to look at their healing practices, but he said, I know their stuff works, and the only way they could get that power, since it's not from God, is the devil. So, proof. 
more than you ever wanted to know about. Well, this is good. <laughs> I look forward to reading. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Thank you. Well, uh, Richard, I think many many people will want to read it. I, you know, I I got it as a Kindle, but I assume it's available in bookstores. No, it's not. It's only available online. It is only available online. online. Well, that's good to know. So you yeah. got to go to the online booksellers, and yeah. um, it is. But it's a it's a significant book, and I do encourage people to read it. It's uh, there's lots to think about, and welcome to the discussion about witchcraft well, in New I'm England. Very glad because you know when I was writing it, I was hoping for the best. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And Brenda, thank you so much for doing this. It's, oh, you're this welcome. has been fun. I Thanks for listening. We wish to thank Brenda Miller, Executive Director of the Hartford History Center and Hartford Public Library, and historian Richard Ross for discussing his new book, Before Salem, Witch Hunting in the Connecticut River Valley. Read more about the world of the Puritans and the days of witch hunts in Connecticut Explored. To subscribe or receive back issues, go to ctexplored.org. You can hear more of the state historian's stories we live by on each and every episode of Grading the Nutmeg. Subscribe on iTunes or gradingthenutmeg.libsign.com. Till next time, I'm Walt Woodward.